God has special times when He wants to have special event for us and Him. And one of those special times is Passover. So today, as we remember Passover, this is God's appointed times, God's appointed feast. And we will see that something is happening. And uh, if we see the, the feast that God instituted, there are seven feasts. And the first one is Passover. And right after Passover is the unleavened bread. So these two goes together. And if we see feast number one until number four is already being fulfilled by the life of Jesus, and by the outpouring of the Pentecost. And we are waiting in our lifetime the fulfillment of the last three feasts. And remember, these are not just Jewish feasts. This is the Lord's feasts, God's appointed feasts. So imagine, when you have something special going on, maybe it's, uh, let's see, maybe it's in your workplace. If you have an event, special event, for sure you will make plan. You will put it in your agenda that you will come. You will be there just like here. In the church, if we have special event, especially us as the pastors and all of you uh, that are helping us ministers, for sure if we have special event, we want you to be here. And we will be here also. So the same thing with God. When God appointed these seven feasts, when He gives the dates of the time of the feast, then these are the times when God is more than the other times in the year. God is being very attentive. And so do we. We need to be attentive also. We need to really put our attention. Not just, okay, I'll go to church for Passover. And that's it. Let's make it an appointed meeting time with God. So it's not only here in the church. When you go home, when we go home, let's seek Him more. Give Him more time. And in Leviticus and Exodus, God says, the 14th of the second month of, um, of the first month is your Passover. And then the 15th is the second feast, which is unleavened bread. And you should eat nothing leavened. So that's why the Israelites will clean up their house from anything that has leaven in it. And this 
the feast of unleavened bread lasts for seven days. Seven days you should eat unleavened bread. Now we don't do all the rituals, but what the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 5, the unleavened bread, it means our heart, which is true and pure, without any evil or wicked thing. So I invite you during this week, really make time to really have special time with God in your prayer, in your secret closet, and really ask God to clean up your heart. Because when God gives us an opportunity, that means there is still opportunity. We may not know whether we will still have another opportunity. So let's focus today on what the cross of Jesus has done in our lives and what does it invite you and me to do. The open way of surrender. This is something that happened when Jesus died on the cross. Never happened before. It was so sacred that nobody could enter except once and one person. Once in a year and only one person. So we can imagine how this is such a sacred place that God guards with the cherubs. But something happened. Let's see from Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. So this is what happened when Jesus was on the cross and he was enduring all those, not only in his physical body, all the pains from the head to the toes. With every breath that he inhaled, there's a lot of pain. But he endured. He endured for about six hours. And finally, he yielded up his spirit. Because he said in another place, nobody has taken my life, but out of my own willingness, I give it. Not even the Father pushed Jesus. Come on, Jesus, you have to do it. Come on, Jesus, you have to sacrifice yourself. No, the Father never pushed. But he said, it's my own willingness that I give it. And this is happened 
it says Jesus yielded up his spirit. Finally, all those, not only physical pain, but also social humiliation. How he was stripped down naked in front of all those people, with all those people speaking out against him, mocking him. And you know, he was the son of God. And he endured the mocking of the mortal man. And what happened after he finished his sacrifice on the cross? Something that never happened. The curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. This is the curtain that is um, in front of the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the glory of God appear between the cherubim, where God will speak to Moses. So nobody will enter there except the high priest. And if once a year the high priest enter and he was not being accepted, you know what happened? On the rope, on the bottom, they put, um, they put uh, small bells. So when the high priest goes in, it's like, blinding, blinding, blinding. They can all hear, oh, the high priest is still alive. But if there is something that is not approved by God, then those sound will stop. And the people will pull the high priest out because he was dead. So you know how sacred that place is? Because you go in, either you go out alive or you go out dead. That's the sacredness of the holiness of God. In other words, God is telling, my holiness is not something to, for you to play with. And because God doesn't want his people to perish, he doesn't want to, them to be careless. That's why he said, you all, you put your dwelling place, your tent, a little bit further away. And let the Levites, they are the one who encircles the tabernacle so that you will not die. Because the holiness of God, just like fire, that will consume everything that is unholy. But then when Jesus died, this curtain, that means the axis, was open. In other words, you know how sacred it is and the price to open the access cannot be with any other thing. Because before it was the blood of animals, that the, but the blood of animals cannot do. The blood of animals cannot pay for your sins. And only the blood of Jesus, who is sinless, 
can open the access. Now by opening up the access, now it's not only the high priest who can approach the glory of God. It's not only one person or two persons who can come near to God, but now the way is being opened to every one of us. Every one of us. Doesn't matter if your life was sinful. That's why it says, let us approach the throne of grace. To find grace and help in time of need. And the price for this access is only the Son of God, the only Son. He has to die. And according to tradition, the curtain is very thick. Minimum few centimeters. And one of the traditions say that even though being pulled by two horses, on the separate direction, it will not tore. So how thick that curtain is. And when Jesus already opened up that curtain, we have to go in. Now, the Bible always interprets Bible. We read in Hebrew 10, verse 19, 20. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. So the New Testament clearly explains what does it mean. The curtain means the flesh of Jesus, the body of Jesus. And let's see. You will see the picture there. The curtain that is being opened is the one that is above. The one that have all the cherubims on it. And we see cherubims are being placed when the holiness of God and the glory of God needs to be guarded. And if Jesus already opened this access through such a precious price, why would we be satisfied only with entertainment? Only with performance? And that's what happens in many, many places. As long as we have good service, then we are satisfied. We sing well, we played well, and everything went well. And we're just, that's it. So we just go in, uh, can you put up the, so we just go around here. And maybe around here in the holy place. 
But we don't even care to go there. And I pray that for what Jesus has paid for us. And I, I, I'm saying this is not only for our two or one hour service at church. But more importantly, when people don't see us. When we are being at home. Do we care to seek the presence of God in our lives? The real presence of God. If Jesus has given you the access, he has paid such a great price. Will we just, well, I don't have time. So this is for every one of us. There is such a deafness of God that we can go without limit. Maybe you've spent time with God, but God is much deeper than what we can comprehend. We will come back to this picture one more time, but let's go to the second point first. When Jesus already has given us open access, we need to have open heart. Let me read from Philippians 2, verse 5 until 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now Jesus have a mind. He has a perspective that we need to have the same mind that he had what is he thinking he said even though he was God he had everything he needs he had all the power but instead he leave all those behind he emptied himself and not only emptying himself but goes lower than average for you, for the Son of God to be a man, that's already good enough. But he even went lower than that. He became a servant. And not only that, his humility was even going lower and lower. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the last drop of blood. It says, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, let's think about ourselves, for example. If you have a choice, how would you like to die? 
many people, I believe, they will prefer painless death, right? They don't want a death that is so painful. Some people say, I don't want to die with grasping for breath, because some people do, and that's painful. But Jesus, he took the way that is most painful. And death on the cross is not because of pain, it's not because of sickness, but it's death by pain. Exactly all the pains. And if Jesus doesn't have the heart to obey the Father, in Hebrew it says, even though, although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Sometimes we think that, oh, I'm a children of God. Why I have to suffer? Lord, if I'm your son, why I have all this unfairness happening to me? Why all this injustice happening in my life? And you look at the life of Jesus. He was the son of God. And all that happened to him is all injustice. All is about being treated unfairly. But because he has the heart, because God so loved the world and the same heart of love, Jesus also felt it. Because Jesus, who was in the bosom of the Father. So Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. He knew his Father's heart. He knew the love that the Father has for the world. And looking at all these human, all these people, just go off following the lust, the devil, and then by the end, they lose their life. Every day, it says, the hell is open before the eyes of God. Every day, God saw. He sees the suffering, the crying of the people that is suffering because they did not choose right. And that is the heart of Jesus. That he said, okay, Lord, I am willing. And in order to say that, it's not only willingness, but it's walking out in humility. You know, Jesus is the Son of God, and he was being spit upon. He was being kicked on, trampled upon. And I hope the heart of Jesus is in our heart too. So we need to have this heart in Acts 14, verse 21, 22, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had many disciples, had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. 
strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So if we want to enter God's kingdom, there is no other way through suffering. Philippians 1.29 For to you it has been granted that you are given the grace, not only the grace to believe, but also the grace to suffer. So let's go back to the uh, picture we have here. If we see here, this is the tabernacle of God. The house of God that he gives exactly in details everything. And why this tabernacle matters so much? Because in Revelation, it says, look, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. The tabernacle of God and he will dwell among men. So the tabernacle, uh, can you please put up the picture? Yes, thank you. So the tabernacle is being given as a picture of what will we, we will have in heaven. And this is the plan of God from beginning until the end. That's why we need to know how to enter into that place and how to go in. What is being required inside? And if you know the tabernacle of God inside, even though this is all surrounding is wood, but it's being, um, uh, being laid with gold. So when you go in, everything gold. Only the base are silver. Because the base silver is talking about the redemption, the price, 30 pieces of silver that Jesus was sold. So we see here, what we want to look here is the measurement. This is 20 times 10. And the height is 10. So if you count the volume, it will be 20 times 10 times 10 as height, we find 2,000. So 2,000, it represents the 2,000 years after the cross, the time of grace, dispensation. And this is what happened in this 2,000, is the restoration of the word. People come back to the word salvation by faith. So word of faith, also restoration of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit. Pentecost is being poured out again, 1905. And we have also the movement of prayer. So this is what's happening in our time, 2000 years. But then we see here the most holy place is 10 by 10 by 10. And we have the number 1000. 
we will have, we are coming into the 1,000 reign of Christ. Not yet. We will soon. So Jesus will reign in the 1,000 years. But before this present time going there, there is that curtain. Okay? This curtain is the one to transition from now to the 1,000 years. So if we see that the curtain is a symbol of the breaking of the flesh of Jesus, how his flesh was being broken, this is talking about surrendering everything. And because Jesus was willing for his flesh to be broken, the curtain was open. So the same thing with us. If we are living in this present time, and you and I will want to go into the 1,000 years of Christ, there is no other way. We must go through tribulation. So the curtain is talking about surrendering. It's talking about you die to yourself. If you want to enter the kingdom of the righteous and holy God, you have to die to yourself. Now the question is, this will happen, the transition in between here. What will happen in the world is the seven years of tribulation. That's going to transition us from the present time to the 1,000 reign of Christ. So the question, do we willing to suffer now or later during the seven years of the great tribulation? It's our choice. God has told us that we are given the grace to suffer in order to enter his kingdom. We have to suffer. Now, what kind of suffering? It's not suffering because of sins. It's suffering because you want to live righteous. Suffering because you want to live in holiness of God. Now, that's the suffering that God mentioned here. And I encourage you, let this pass over. Be the time that we cleanse our heart. Unleavened bread. Let there be no leaven in our heart, no wickedness. Even those that are in the secret of our hearts. Let's ask God to cleanse it. And let's have an open heart, Lord. I want to follow your footsteps. Now, when Jesus say you have to suffer, it's not that, okay, your life will be crushed, blah, 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 blah. No, but he said in Hebrew, he already suffered the most. He even shed his blood. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane because of the distress, you know, Jesus knows what it means to be stressful. 
Jesus knows what it means to be really in deep sorrow. He knows what it means to be so anxious, restless, that in that struggle that he had in Gethsemane, his sweat was like drops of blood. And when Jesus already suffered most, I'm sure when he invites us to suffer, it's not that he say, in your suffering, you haven't shed your blood. So he will be with us in our suffering and he will bear the heavier part of the burden. And the last thing, open invitation. If you already have an open heart, now God invites you. 1 John 3, verse 16, By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If God so loved the world that he gave his only, only beloved son, now Jesus say, do you want to suffer with me? For righteousness. And if you want to suffer now, you will not go through the great tribulation with the Antichrist if you want to suffer now. And here, we ought to lay down our lives. The kind of suffering that Jesus had is suffering because of love. Maybe people don't know your heart, but if you pray with a heart of love before God, this is laying down your life for the brothers. Now, I have gone through the cross. Jesus said, now you follow my footsteps. If you want to follow my footsteps now, you will be saved from the great tribulation that is coming upon the whole earth. And the word of God will surely happen. Every detail will happen as he promised. So I pray that you will be encouraged. And you will be also encouraged to set aside times for God this week. Find out his will for your life. What he wants you to do. Seek his presence, that this is a special time for God, appointed time of the Lord. Let's have the musicians to come forward and let's all prepare our hearts to come personally, face to face with God as we will do our communion.